This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're looking back at perhaps the greatest game ever played on Garcelon Field, the Bates men's lacrosse team's epic 19-18 double overtime win over defending national champion Tufts last Tuesday. Women's lacrosse continues to roll, and a Bates football coach was inducted into the Auburn Lewiston Sports Hall of Fame. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Last Tuesday, the Bates men's lacrosse team took on defending national champion and third-ranked Tufts at Garcelon Field. It was a game that will never be forgotten by the participants and the fans in attendance. Down by five at halftime, the Bobcats outscored the Jumbos by two goals in the third quarter and by three goals in the fourth quarter to force overtime. The game remained tied at 18 through the first overtime period. Then, Charlie Fay sent the Bates fans home happy. Here's Weber. Shot. And the Bobcats have done it! McFay goes toss! Down goes toss! And they're going wild at Garcelon Big as sexy. the Bobcats storm the field. The dramatic win backed up the Bobcats' 12-8 victory last season over the Jumbos, an accomplishment that ended Tufts' 24-game winning streak. Faye played the starring role in 2015 and 2016. Take us through that play. I couldn't see what happened up there in the press box. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't really hit me yet, and I don't really know what happened, but I just know I was on the backside of the crease. The ball squirted out, and... Uh, Saw an open net and waited a little bit and knew the goalie was going to overcommit and just tried to put a high. I had no idea it went in until uh, the teammates were jumping on me. Awesome feeling. I know last year, obviously, you could beat Tufts in the regular season at their place. They come here this year, you beat them again. What does it mean to show kind of the country that you can, you know, you, you're being the team of top three in the, in the nation? Yeah, I mean, we're a competitive team and uh, when we bring it and play four quarters of strong lacrosse, we can be one of the best teams in the country and we just need to know that we need to bring that to every game for all four quarters and keep the consistency. And this game was incredible. I mean, 19 to 18, that's high scoring for lacrosse even, right, for both sides. Oh, yeah. Is this the craziest game you've been involved in? Yeah, I, I definitely say so. I mean, like, they just play a quick strike offense, and we know that we're going to have to match that if we want to win. So we were just trying to push everything within the first minute of our possession. And I mean, we'd slow it down occasionally, but we got to try and match what they're doing out there. If they have 12 goals in the first half, we need to try and match that. Yeah, I mean, you guys were down, what, five at halftime. Yeah. What was the message at halftime? I mean, we were angry. We, we lost the past two games. We saw the season. We don't want our season to slip away. We knew we needed this win, and we want to make a statement about what we can do and what we want to do as a team and just show, uh, just show that we're a legit team. Did you see a difference in attitude from the Tufts players compared to last year when you played them compared to this year? Oh, uh, yeah, they're, they're a little bit of a different team, but they still have that same mentality. Everyone knows them as a quick strike offense. You know, we know that they're going go to the, go to the goal right away. They're banging around quick, and um, that hasn't changed. But there's a few different players, and uh, we worked with that. All right, excellent. And just any other thoughts on this game and what it means to you? Uh, just huge, huge, uh, huge win. <laughs> Can't even say enough. It hasn't even hit me yet. It'll hit me once I'm over there with my family and teammates. But, you know, it's just unbelievable. All right, I'll let you run. Thanks so much. All right, thank you so much. Like everyone else, head coach Peter Lasagna knew he'd witnessed something truly special. I said to the guys after the game, that's one of the greatest games that's ever been played on this field. And Charlie Fay corrected me and said, Coach, come on, it is the greatest game that's ever been played on this field. 
Um, it was amazing. I mean, we just we told these guys because we know what Tufts is all about. We have so much respect for them. It was going to be a game of runs, and God bless America, it was a game of runs. <laughs> yes, it was. Now, you made the choice at the halftime to switch out goalkeepers. What was yeah. behind that? Uh, I just Joe was coming off of two, you know, bad injuries, hasn't done anything for a while, was cleared to do this. Um, but I just thought, you know, we gave up 12 in the first half, and we just wanted to, Mitchell's been practicing great, and uh, we wanted to just give it a look, and, and I thought he did well. Yeah, he played great. I mean, what did you see from him out there? I mean, he, he, did, he, didn't see, he showed no nerves as a first year. No, I would agree with you. Uh, he looked a little bit nervous in the very beginning of his warm-up, <laughs> uh, but then I thought, he, I thought he played great and composed in our defense. I mean, we gave up 12 in the first half and gave up, what, six in the second half, so that's pretty good. And then um, the last play where Charlie got the goal, kind of a chaotic play. What did you see from the sideline? Yeah, I just saw, I thought about three different guys were going to shoot. <laughs> and then we picked, I think Clark Jones or somebody picked up a really, really tough ground ball. And then uh, I can't even remember who took the initial shot, but I was just waiting. For, I was really glad to see it in Charlie's stick. And then once it went in and there was a pause, I was just waiting for these officials to wipe that goal off the board <laughs> and was really happy that they didn't. All right, Coach, thanks so much. Thank you for being here. Senior Jack Allard had this to say after the victory. That was a huge win, and we just came off of two losses to Middlebury and Bowdoin that we, we really felt that we, we were in those games and we should have won them. So we knew that coming into this week it was a gigantic game, and Tufts, no matter what, is a big game. So it was very, very team effort. Uh, I'm glad that we came out on top in double overtime. Charlie Fay, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're a senior. This is the craziest game you've been involved in? Uh, we've been involved in a lot of crazy games here at Bates. I think this one means the most and was probably the, cra the craziest uh, when it came down to it. So we were down 12-7 at halftime, and it really we showed a lot of uh, – uh, you know, a lot of characters staying in it and coming back to win. NESCAC tournament coming up, not quite yet, but what does it say to the rest of the conference? I, I think that nobody wants to play Bates right now, and, and I, I'm looking forward to this weekend for senior day at, at home against Conn College. Now, you're on offense, but Mitchell Drake in the second half, first year against the number three team in the country. What can you say about that? Absolutely. I think this is really big. Uh, Joe, Joe Ferrer has been out with, with a thumb injury, and, and we got, we got him back for the first half today. Um, and, and for Mitch to come in the second half and play the way he did, it really shows a lot. And, and you, you could tell that this week in practice he had been putting a lot of time into reacting to the ball. We put, we put a little extra effort for him, and he played great, and I'm, I'm, glad that, I'm glad he came out like that today. And then down five at halftime, what's the message? Um, you know, we, we didn't even feel like we were down. You know, we were in the game the whole time. It, it, it didn't really slip away from us. We, even though we were down five, there was just a few possessions that, that we could have had um, that made it 12-7. But we knew that, you know, if we won a couple more face-offs and put the ball in the back of the net like we do, uh, we were going to come back. And, and, and we, we came out with confidence and did, did exactly that. And then obviously Charlie Faye, the game-winning goal, had a number of goals. But other guys, you know, Andrew Melvin, Kyle Weber, yourself, it shows the balance of this team, doesn't it? Absolutely. I got to look at the stat sheet later because it seemed like everybody had like yeah. four or five points today, and that was <laughs> awesome. And, and we, we practiced like that every day, and, and it was great to see that come out today. All right, Jack, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Then on Saturday, the Bobcats made the most of senior day by beating Connecticut College 11-7 to to move to 10-3 and on the season. Bates is now ranked 10th in the nation. Faye earned NESCAC Men's Lacrosse Player of the Week honors as he scored a career-high six goals in the win over Tufts and led the way with four goals in the win over Conn College. His prolific scoring effort may have been due in part to a position change. We talked to Faye about playing attack and more as he is our male Bobcat of the Week. So Coach Lasagna decided that I think the second half of the Middlebury game was when I went down there and started playing attack and Seemed like a better fit for me. Um, Max is looking good. The other old tagman, he's looking good up at the midfield. So the switch just seemed like it was the right thing to do. And we started practicing in practice, and we just looked really good together, me, Jack Allard, Andrew Melvin. And we've been able to push that quick strike, off, strike, quick strike offense that we've been 
trying to do all season, and I think uh, this just gives us that opportunity to do so. Yeah, and what's it like working on attack, you know, with Jack and with Andrew? I mean, obviously, uh, Andrew's a great dis- great distributor, great dodger, and Jallard's probably one of the best shooters that I've ever played with. So just having those two guys around you, I mean, I know that I always have an outlet if I uh, can't get my move, and I can always sling it over to Jallard, and he'll uh, he's always got a good shot, so he'll be hitting all game. I know last year you guys went to Tufts and beat him. This year you beat him again. Uh, what were the similarities, differences between these uh, last two games uh, against Tufts? Yeah, I mean they're both they're pretty similar. I mean, we uh we actually play a similar style offense as Tufts does. They're known for playing their up and down game, just trying to do everything as fast as they can. And uh we've tried we've kind of mirrored that and so we kind of play their same style and I think we're a good matchup for them. And uh these past 2 years it's kind of worked out that we've gotten them at a time of the season where we really needed a win and we knew that we had to put everything on the table in both games we did and were able to come out on top both times. And then you're a junior now, but take us back when you were looking at colleges. What prompted you to decide uh, that Bates was going to be the right fit? Um, I mean, I'm from down down in uh, Falmouth, Maine, so I've, I knew of Bates my whole life. And I uh, talked to Coach Lasagna a little bit when I was looking into the lacrosse recruiting process. And he uh, reached out to me and was always just seemed like a good coach and someone that I'd want to play for, and he always made it seem promising that I'd be able to get into Bates, and I knew Bates was a very strong academic institution and somewhere that I'd uh, definitely be interested in going to. So came up and did a few visits, and it just seemed like the right fit, naturally. And then last year, obviously, as a sophomore, I got a breakthrough year for the team in general, right? First ever NCAA tournament. And So what was the biggest difference you noticed between your first year here and then last year? Um, I think, I mean... A senior leadership's huge, but just, uh, I mean, the grade above me and the grade that was above them that graduated last year, they both uh, totally changed the culture of the team and clearly uh, wanted to take the team from losing seasons to winning seasons. And, I mean, you could see that change in practice, uh, guys pushing each other outside of practice to do more, and just the overall mentality of the team that was, uh, we're going to we're gonna start winning games. And I really think that started about halfway through last year. And I mean, it's it's been sticking with us since. And then I know after the huge win against Tufts, uh, what was the mentality like in practice going forward, uh, preparing for Con College, who you guys beat on Saturday? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a little bit of a roller coaster. We need to, we had pro- our biggest win of the season, and we kind of had to settle down and start getting ready for the next one because the next one's really all that matters. And we knew Con played a totally different play style, and they're going to try and slow down the game. So. We had to start working into that, start working on our zone preparation, and uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much get off our high horse for a little bit. We got to <laughs> we got to celebrate for a little bit, but then uh, we had to get right back to practice. I know when I've talked to other guys like you know Jack and whatnot about last year's season and this year's season. Last year they all said the turning point of the season was when you returned when you when you came you know back to the team midway through the season. Did you feel that point also that you 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 made kind of difference? Well, I think it's more than that. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things going on at that time with the other roster adjustments and just the team overall starting to find out like what what style we play, how we're going to play on defense, and then I think on offense, I took a little pressure off of maybe some of the other guys who, uh, when I came back and score a couple goals, they uh, they feel more loose and they're able to you know go at the net without thinking if I miss this, then we're gonna you know, not, not have any goals this game. So I think it, it's just a little bit of pressure taking off those guys. And, I mean, Jack Allard, who's just a pure shooter, he can shoot 10, 15 times a game and know that 
if he has a bad game and hits one of them, then we'll be there to support him. But we know that most games he's going to hit five or six of those. Well, he takes a lot of creative angles, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he really does. I mean, he's one of the most like fascinating shooters I've ever seen. I mean, I'm, I'm going to shoot with him right now and just... Just shooting with him outside of the game is just incredible how he works on his shot and how he's he's going at it two hours a day, just always trying to find the angles and find out uh, how to mess up the goalie and make him think you're going one way and go the other way. Speaking of outstanding attackers, Bate senior Mariah Greenstein scored a career-high six goals on Saturday in the women's lacrosse team's 19-7 win over Connecticut College. The victory snapped a brief two-game skid for the Bobcats and improved their record to 11-3 on the year. Bates is now tied with Colby for 10th in the nation in the national polls, and they square off with the Mules on Wednesday at Garcelon Field. For her career day, Greenstein is our female Bobcat of the week. After a week off of finals and then obviously break, we were here. Um, uh, we kind of just got our footing back underneath us. We had... Um, a nice consistent week of practices and we really just went into the game having fun and making good decisions. You think the senior leadership we've talked about all year really had a big factor in the ability to you know bounce back after what really was a very you know close game against Tufts? Um, yeah absolutely um, you know we learned from our mistakes in Tufts and I think it we really showed how much we wanted it in the game on Saturday. You got six goals what was opening up for you? Definitely team effort on offense we had a a lot of peeping, people putting the ball in the net, and I had a lot of nice feeds from attackers from the outside, which really helped out. Were you aware you were approaching your career high? I was not. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you know afterwards, though? Uh, yep, thanks to the article. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time you knew, knew you, it was in the article. It's yeah. Six of you knew career high? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And then um, Colby coming up. Good team, big rivalry. Uh, what do you know about them based on your past experiences playing against them? Um, you know, when we play Colby and Bowden, I think everyone shows up. Um, and I'm just really excited. You know, it's on our home turf this year. Um, hopefully we'll get a nice day out in Garcelon. Um, I think it'll be a really good game. What specifically do they bring to the table in terms of, you know, from a lacrosse perspective? Um, I mean, I think every year it's just more about who wants it more. Last year we definitely – it was our last game of the season um, and we came out on the win last year, so they'll definitely be coming out for us this time. Yeah, it's fourth seeding in the in the NESCAC term and everything. Does that really matter to you guys? Um, it's definitely interesting how this played out. I mean, whoever wins this game gets a better advantage in the tournament, so I think there's a lot at stake. And then, you know, looking at this season as a whole, what, what are some – you know, I know – it's still gonna. We're still a lot to play, right? But what's been some of your favorite moments so far this year, at least? Uh, definitely Saturday was a good one. Um, we kind of showed that we're really resilient, and even if we had a tough loss on Tuesday, we were able to bounce back, and hopefully, moving forward, we'll keep doing that. And then obviously, this team lacrosse is in whole, right? We've talked about men's team doing really well, women's team doing real really well. How has that relationship continued to grow between those two teams, each having so much success? Um, I think we've gotten really close this year. Definitely, we were the only ones, all athletes on campus this week, so we had a lot of time to hang out with the men's team. Um, and it's just we're really excited for each other that we're doing well. What was your reaction when you found out they won in double overtime? Um, we caught the end of the game. Uh, we had different game times on Tuesday. And, I mean, we're so excited for them. That's pretty historic to beat Tufts two years in a row. They don't lose, so we're really excited for them.
Now swinging back to the women's team here, um, Coach Allen, what's his been? What's been his add to the whole season? Do you? I mean, this is a breakthrough year for you guys. What, what do you know from him in terms of you know his style and what his reaction has been to all the success as well? Um, I mean, he's definitely proud of us. Um, he's really happy with how well we're doing, and I think his biggest motto is just, you know, nothing's enough. We got to keep going. Got to keep putting those wins on the board. And uh, if people come out to the game coming up here Wednesday, what will they expect to see? A lot of heart, a lot of hustle, and hopefully some great, great plays out there. All right, well, another big rivalry game coming up. Fourth seeding, as we talked about in the NESCAC tournament, um, Bates and Colby here on Wednesday. Mariah, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. The women's and men's track and field teams continued their season this past weekend with the women's team finishing third out of eight teams at the Aloha Relays and the men's team winning yet another Maine State Outdoor Championship. The Bates women won the 4x100 relay with sophomore Sally Cisse, junior Allison Hill, junior Claire Marconic, and senior captain Alexis Dickinson teaming up for the win. Junior Jessica Wilson won the 1500 meters, moving into sole possession of 5th place on Bates' all-time performance list. Meanwhile, first-year Aiden Eikhoff won the 400-meter dash. At the oldest collegiate track and field meet in the United States, the Bates men's team scored 222 points to win the Maine State Men's Outdoor Championships for the seventh straight year. The Bobcats have now won the 117-year-old meet in 14 of the past 15 years. First-year Tyler Harrington earned NESCAC Field Performer of the Week honors for his showing in the Javelin. He threw the javelin 191 feet 8 inches, winning the event and moving into fifth place on Bates' all-time performance list. The main state meet as a first year, what have the upperclassmen said to you? Go, what did they say to you going into this about how important this meet is? Because Bates has a history of winning this. Yeah, well, you know, it's probably one of the most important meets of the year. I know. Um, you know, I talked to Nick a lot, and Nick's like the captain of the touring squad, and he's a like, most important meet. His, like his life is right that meet. You know, like Maine State meet. Like his, he's from Maine. Like he, it's a big meet, and we always want to win. It's, like, it's against Colby and Bowden too, kind of our CBB thing. But it's always great to win those meets, and it's it's really it's a great tradition too. And what was the reaction of the team when they found out uh, they'd won again? Well, we didn't really find out to the very end, but uh, I think we were behind in the middle of the meet, so we were we were pretty worried. But then you know our runners really stepped up, and they got the points that we needed. And uh, we kind of find out at the very last race that we were ahead and probably ahead for good. So I think we're really excited. We kind of tried to contain it until we finally got that trophy, but it was, it was great. And then you won the javelin throw again, yeah. moving up to fifth on the all-time performance list. Top five, how's it feel? Yeah, it feels great, you know. I've been working pretty hard, and uh, it was awesome. Just gonna, It was my first throw of the day. It was just kind of got out there. So, I mean, um, it's just awesome, you know. I worked really hard, and your coach really helped me out, and all the seniors helped me out, too, and all the other throwers, too, so. It was a great, great feeling, great feeling to get there. Yeah, what people don't realize at these meets is you're not just throwing it once, it's multiple rounds, right? So explain how that yeah. works. So we get a prelim round where everybody gets the three throws. Then uh, the top eight finalists from uh, the prelim round throw three more in the finals. So, you know, eight guys made it. So then uh, on my finals, I don't, I don't think I threw a throw in the final. I think I just waited to see if somebody would uh, come up to me, so. Gotcha. So your prelim time can hang, can uh, prelim uh, length, I should say, can uh, hold over, carry over. Yeah, it can. Okay. So that's what that's what kinda, Coach Fresh kind of told me just to wait on it and see if uh, anybody would catch up to me. But uh, fortunately, not. So it was great. Got a little so, rest. So what's it like to just watch it and watch other people do it? And, like, don't even have to do it now. Yeah, I was like, I was, I'm pretty worried when I watch. Like, there's there's a pretty talented guys there, and I, I think those guys can pop off a throw like that too, even farther than mine. So. Um, 
it was awesome just like watching like i love to compete obviously i want to throw again but uh it was awesome just get, get a rest i guess sure absolutely yeah. and then um obviously up, upcoming now, NESCAC championships. Yeah. Well, the upperclassmen told you about this coming. Oh, up. Yeah, this is, this is another big one. Like after Maine State, like we're we're in kind of championship mode now. Like after Maine State, we're right back into it in the NESCACs. But uh, we're pretty excited about it. Like we want to we want to win. That's what we want to do. We want to compete well and uh, do our best. Sounds good. Well, congrats again on being NESCAC Field Performer of the Week. Yeah, thank you very much. Sophomore Adedire Fakaridi got to pose with a giant trophy after being named the Outstanding Field Performer at the meet. Faccarini set new personal bests in the discus, hammer throw, and shot put. He finished second in the shot put to teammate Nick Margitza, and he won the hammer and discus. Yeah, I mean, it was a massive meet, uh, especially since we didn't win indoors. And, you know, it's something we take our pride in. Like, we've won uh, in the past 15 years 40, 14 of these meets. So and it's not a testament to, like, how like easy the meet is. It's just, like, we, we really look forward to it. We put our best performances out around this meet. So uh, I think it was really awesome that it all came together this, this time. So I don't think it was pretty close there for a while. So what was the atmosphere oh, like throughout the oh meet? Oh, my goodness. It was, it was very awesome. Like, people were cheering. I was cheering. We just, every single person that was competing that had a Bates uh, jersey on, you just yell for them and, you know, just push them to go another level to pass the next person or throw an inch or a foot farther. So it was a beautiful place to compete that day. And then Tyler winning the javelin throw. We talked to him earlier, got NESCAC Field Performer of the Week. You guys almost have Monopoly on this, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, it, it's absolutely awesome. That's the third That's the third thrower, yeah. like, in the past, like, three <laughs> weeks to have the Field Athlete of the Week, and I'm really pumped about that. And, I mean, um, Tyler is now 19th in the nation, so... He's in the ranks to go to nationals with me and Nick, which is absolutely phenomenal as a freshman. I mean, I think he's probably going to be the first freshman to do it because Plus can't win as a sophomore. So I think if Tyler makes it this year, he's going to be the youngest uh, field athlete to make it to nationals. So. That'd be pretty sweet. Now, you won MVP of the meet, basically, right? Mm -hmm. uh, fair enough to say MVP. And you got a giant trophy. What was your reaction when you saw that trophy? Well, you don't uh, get to keep it, but you got to hold it for a little bit. Well, I mean, uh, at the end of the meet, I was just hanging out, and my friend Dakota Griffin, he was like, yeah, um, I think, Deary, you're you're like in the ranks to get nominated for this award. And, and I mean, I completely forgot about the award. When they called my name, I was like, I was like, wow, this is like actually happening. So I run up, shake their hand, and just put it down as quickly as possible because it's just like, I don't know, it was, it was a pretty huge trophy, and it didn't really set until that night what had happened. So I'm really happy and pumped, and honestly, like um, a lot of other guys could have won it on our team because there was a lot of great performances. So absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you said off the air it looked like it was like a national championship oh trophy. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was very, very, very big. Like this is a large trophy we're talking about here. <laughs> now, what else been happening this weekend? I mean, what other events did you see um, when you weren't when you weren't competing yourself? Oh, I saw um, Alan Sumerall and Mark Corbett take one and two yeah. in the 5K. Um, I saw um, uh, Jeff Jones tri triple jump uh, over 46 feet, which is actually pretty good, very close to his lifetime best. And I also saw the 200, uh, Colin Kraft and Ryan Corley, who actually won the honor baton this week. Uh, for his performances. He did a host of things that day, but he really stepped up for the team that day, and I'm really proud of him also first year. So Nice. Now, we got the NESCAC championships coming up. Oh, uh, nice. You have experience in these. Um, so what can you, what do you remember about last year's? What are you hoping, I mean, hoping this year you guys may even finish in number one, perhaps? <laughs> My fondest memory was NESCAC last year, okay. where Nick, I mean, where Sean got first place in the disc, wow. Nick got second place in the disc, and I got third place in the disc, so we swept the event. It was absolutely awesome. So. Yeah. I mean, coming in this year, I think Bates are favorite in all four of the throwing events. So if we can go through with that and hopefully PR on top of that, that would be absolutely awesome. And I mean, obviously going back home with the uh, the win, that would be absolutely, that'll just put the icing on the cake for uh, 
for a the beginning of the championship season and uh and also like our the end of season for some kids on the team so all right, great. D-Ray, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Aaron. I'll see you around. The Bates baseball team shut out Maine Farmington on Tuesday by a score of 6 to nothing. John DiNucci went deep for his second career home run. Next delivery on the way. DiNucci, a well-hit ball. Right field. This ball is gone. John DiNucci to straightaway right field. A two-run home run. And Bates leads 6 to nothing. But the Bobcats lost three very close games to Trinity College over the weekend by scores of 9-8, to 2-1, and 6-3. After making the NESCAC tournament the past two seasons, the Bobcats will fall short this year. Meanwhile, the softball team split a doubleheader with the University of New England on Thursday. After dropping game one 7-3, they won game two in walk-off fashion by a score of 6-5. First year, Madison Fox delivered the game-winning hit for Bates. My fist was pumping. I was so excited, and all I could think was, Maddie, score, score. And then she did, so <laughs> I was really excited. Meanwhile, junior Maddie Inlow hit her second career homer. It was great. I could feel it off the bat, but um, I've had a, a few close ones this year, so I was really glad that, that one went over. <laughs> I know you mentioned that your first collegiate at bat back when you were first year was a homer, and this was your second homer a couple years later, so how long was that wait for you? <laughs> um, it's been a long time coming, um, but... I mean, you just go with it, so yeah, it was good. <laughs> and then obviously getting the win there in the bottom of the seventh, you got a double to set things up. Uh, what did you see on that pitch? Um, it was a changeup, which um, I've been struggling with a lot this year, so I was pretty, pretty happy that I got to wait on it and made a good offer. The softball team competed hard against defending national champion Tufts over the weekend, but couldn't break up the Jumbo's NESCAC winning streak. And on Monday, Bates swept Maine Farmington in a doubleheader. Senior Karen Lockhart became the all-time single-season hits leader in Bates history. She currently has 46 hits on the year after tallying three hits over the course of Monday's twin bill. Bates won game one 7-1 behind the outstanding pitching of first-year Kylie Martin. I decided to stop thinking so much about my mechanics and to just pitch and to trust my team behind me. And as a first year, obviously, you've been thrown kind of right into the fire, pitching a lot this season. What are some lessons you've learned throughout the year? Um, to not be too psychological about things, to not overthink things, um, to grit it out and keep persevering despite some tough times, and to always trust my team. And then you have three first-year pitchers, including yourself. So what's the relationship like between the three first-year pitchers? It's great. We know each, we have each other, and um, it's nice to have – other pitchers who understand your circumstance. The Bobcats took game two by a score of 12 to eight. They scored nine runs in the sixth inning to take the lead. First year Mimi Crowley earned her first career win in the circle and junior Jenny Abbott hit her first career home run. I didn't know. I, I mean, it was a really low pitch and to pull that, um, I didn't think it was going out. I thought she was gonna catch it. And I, Coach Darcy was standing on first base and I was like, Oh my God, when it went out. Um, and she was like, if I could take a picture of your face. It was, I mean, it was great. Felt good. On Sunday, Bates football assistant coach Skip Capone was inducted into the Auburn Lewiston Sports Hall of Fame. Capone has coached at Bates for 20 years, but his roots in the community go back even further than that. He was the head coach of the Lewiston High School football team from 1983 to 1996, winning a state championship in 1987. We sat down with Capone to discuss his Hall of Fame coaching career. 
Joined by Skip Capone, offensive line coach for the Bates football team and recently inducted into the Auburn Lewiston Sports Hall of Fame. First of all, uh, Skip, what was the ceremony like for you? What was the experience like? It was very, very humbling uh, to meet you know, some of the former Hall of Famers. Uh, people in the community that came were very, very congratulatory. And to be in that environment for basically being a football coach is, is pretty cool. What did it mean to you personally to get that honor? Uh, I mean, it's very humbling. I mean, to be... You know, this is this is my adopted community. We didn't, we, I didn't grow up in Lewis and Auburn, so basically it's based on a coaching career and interacting with kids and people, and and to be recognized by people in Lewis and Auburn is really very, you know, very humbling. Yeah, and tell us a story about how you came to Lewiston and decided to stay. I'll go way back, go way back now. I actually had long hair back then, but uh, it came to it was a young guy felt he, you know, felt he had the the, the ability to be a head football coach. The, the job at Lewiston High School was open. Uh, my family, you know, we decided we, we'd come up this way for a while with the intent of moving back to, to southeastern New Hampshire or, or northeastern Massachusetts. And as, as you start to, family starts to grow, things start to happen, you start to become entrenched in the community, and it just became more and more difficult to leave. Where now, this is our, this is our home. I said it at the banquet. This is, you know, even though I grew up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, this is my home. And I feel a real sense of uh, allegiance to, to Lewis and Harvard. We've been treated very, very well. I know when you were head coach at Lewiston High School, you won a state championship in 1987. Uh, I know that it was a long process to get there. What was that like? Obviously, you know, we came into a, into a program that was that was down just a little bit, but with the tradition that Lewiston had, and I, I walked into a situation where a lot of kids were, were very, very hungry. They wanted to be good, and it was just a matter of them buying in. I had a great, a great coaching staff back in the day, guys that went on to be head coaches themselves, be very successful, and it was, it was a process, but it, it was certainly a lot of fun. And then how did you make the transition from coaching at the high school level to coming to Bates to coach at the college level? 1996, I was, I was getting tired, you know, putting in a lot of time, and I decided I was going to step back, so I, I resigned from my position at Lewiston. And Rick Party, who was the coach here at that point, Rick and I had become friends, and when he realized I was done, he reached out and asked me if I wanted to come over and coach the offensive line. Figured I'd give it a shot for a year. My intent was originally to take a year off and just kind of be the roving coach and go around the state and watch practice and tailgate and things like that. And one thing led to another, I coached the offensive line. Unfortunately, uh, Rick and the rest of the staff was, was let go. And I had known, you know Coach Harriman for, for years when he coached the University of Maine. And uh, when, he, when he was hired, you know, he, he asked me, very thankfully, he asked me if I wanted to stay on. And I couldn't say yes fast enough. And it's been 20 years. Yeah, and then most recently the football team obviously um, has emerged, you know, uh, multiple CBB titles here in recent years, um, a couple winning seasons and whatnot. So how have you seen the football program grow? Because I know in the 90s they struggled, and now, you know, turning into the new century, they've been, um, you know, a lot better, much improved. Yeah, you know, starting with the leadership of Coach Harriman, but I think, you know, the new facilities, I think uh, we've just done a great job as a staff of identifying guys that, that want to come to Bates. I think you know, Bates is a real great opportunity for them. They have a, a, a great perspective of balancing, understanding why they're here, to get, which is to get them more and get a great education. But football is very, very important to them. And we just got a bunch of guys that love what they're doing. They love coming to practice every day. They understand it's going to be a grind. And we've just, we've just been getting better and better. And obviously, the talent level obviously has gotten better and better. And we've got a, you know, kind of got over the hump. And now it's a time to take the next step. Yeah, and then you, I think, more than maybe more than anybody else, represents kind of the bridge, the connection between Bates and the community, you know, Lewis and Auburn. How have you seen that connection you know, grow in, in recent years? I know you were talking about off the air about how, you know, the Lewis and the Auburn community supporting Bates and vice versa. I think it's been, 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 been tremendous. I think over the last 15 years or, or probably more, you know, the college certainly has, has reached out. 
uh, with, with our students and staff to do things in the community, but I also think the community is now much more receptive to coming on campus, whether it's going to academic type events, speakers, those kinds of things, which obviously is you know, great for the community. And also, you know, personally for me, you know, the athletic events. You, know, you see a lot of local guys, local kids that come, they want to watch. because They realize the, the level of competition in the NESCAC is, is really, really good. And when you're looking at nationally ranked teams that come on our campus in multiple sports, uh, you know, that's a, I mean, even like the other night when uh, our guys played Tufts, I mean, the stands were full and three quarters of them were, were, were local high school kids that came because they wanted to see high level lacrosse. I mean, you know, instead of having to travel hours out of state, they got, the, at that point, I believe the number one and number two team in the country. I'm not sure where our guys are ranked, but they probably are in the top ten. Doesn't get, and it's free. I mean, how does it get any better than that? I mean, it just, it's the best. Yeah, after that victory, the men's team moved in the 10th in the country, uh, and then Tufts is still obviously up there in the top five, but a huge win, obviously, for Bates in that game. Speaking of lacrosse, you coached the local Lewiston High School girls lacrosse team, third season coming up. How did that happen? Jason Fold, the athletic director at Lewiston, is, is one of my former players, a, great, a dear friend, and uh, was in his office one day, three years ago, March, and realized they didn't have, a, didn't have any candidates for the open position, and we kind of went back and forth and realized there were two choices. One, he was going to do it, which would have been virtually impossible being the athletic administrator, or the old ball guy was going to do it who had absolutely no background on lacrosse. And one thing led to another, and I had a great staff and some great kids, and it's been one of the best athletic decisions I've ever made. How did you go about learning the sport? Uh, studying, you, you know, the usual technology, going to visit. I got a chance to go to Bowdoin, you know, visited with different college coaches, just reached out and like anybody would and, and just try to make themselves better. A lot of coaching is coaching. Is coaching. It's common sense. Drills are drills. Fundamentals are fundamentals. So that, that part of it was easier for me. But understanding the, the nuances of the game, the rules, which are little, quite a bit different than the men. Right. But now that I understand, I understand why, which is, it is what it is. But it's, it's, been a, it's been a challenge, but that, you know, again, you start you know, 40 years in the business, you need new things to kind of get you going a little bit, and this certainly has done that for me. How have the high school players responded to you? Uh, I've got a great, great bunch of kids. I think we've got a, a great relationship. I mean, immediately, immediate respect. I, mean, I had known the kids as, as a teacher for, since they were younger, and I think they just immediately realized they, that I, I think, they, they, at least as far as the coaching part of it, I know what I'm doing. The lacrosse part is still a work in progress, <laughs> but I never came in and told them I was a genius. We're, gonna, we're all going to work together, and they've been, the kids have been absolutely phenomenal. Now, going back to Bates football, obviously coaching the offensive line here. Have you always coached the offensive line here, or have you switched around? I started in the offensive line. I was the offensive line coach for four or five years, and then, uh, again, being the the part-time guy, a lot of times, in having a, a being head form, being a head football coach, having a background, could go to multiple positions, and had an opportunity based on who, who coach hired. He asked me if I'd go over and coach on the defensive side of the ball. So I started coaching the defensive line back in 2001, two. I think it's a long time ago, <laughs> and then eventually uh, became the special teams coordinator. And that, I did that for five years prior to last season, and then becoming full-time. Uh, Obviously, one of my passions has always been coaching the offensive line and had an opportunity not only it was a dream for me not only it took me 40 years to become a full-time college football coach which yeah. is unique in itself and then too to go back and coach what I love which is uh, the offensive line and I think the stuff we're doing offensively with the triple option and stuff like that works into my background which we, we were running triple way back in the, in the early mid 80s so I think it would help me transition pretty well.
you know, obviously my last year was my first year on offense, but the years prior to that, we've been, you know, again, it's kind of, kind of unique in the fact that we made the changes to go to the 3-3 stack in the triple kind of coincides with our on the field success. You know, that first year we were three and five and it's just gotten better and better. And they're, they're unique in, 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 in their approach. I mean, the three, three is something nobody else sees. So the only teams only have three days to prepare for it. And Chris Kempton does a great job on the defensive side. He's our mad scientist. And then the, the, the pistol triple is something nobody else sees. So again, they've got three days to prepare. So along with being, you know, different schematically, we've, we've also improved the level of talent, which as you know, it still comes down to Jimmy's and Joe's, not necessarily X's and O's. So, <laughs> right. uh, but, but I think both together yeah. has helped us. The fact that you know we compete week in and week out, and you go back into the you know the early 2000s, and we'd have you know two or three close games a year. We were trying to win games. You know, if we won two, it was great. Now, I mean, we were very disappointed last year going, going two and six, and we we kicked away a couple, and very easily could have been five and three. Again, we out, we out, we're two and six. But the bottom line is every we, other than. You take away the Amherst game, and they were, they were really good. Other than that, every game was a dogfight. Right. And right near the end of the fourth quarter, we were there. So I think we were going in the right direction. Obviously, those two wins were over Colby and Bowden, <laughs> which are good. That's good to have. Um, the CBB rivalry, what does it mean to you, you know, having spent 20-plus years here? It's, it, every year it gets more special. You know, as you, as you meet more and more alumni, as guy, our former players come back, uh, they reach out. It, it's uh, – I, I don't think when I first got here, I realized how, how the, the significance of the CBB. I, I do now. Yeah. Didn't take me very long to figure that out. And, uh, but it's just gotten better and better. And the success we've had in particular over the last five or six years uh, just makes it, you know, our season that much sweeter. Last question for you, Coach. You mentioned that Lewis and Auburn are, is your home now um, and has been uh, for quite a few years now. What makes this community so special to you specifically? I think the people, just the people, the relationships, they care, uh, they, they're very they're very giving, uh, they care about each other, uh, and I really, to me that's the bottom line, it's all about relationships, and you know, people got your back, you know, whether, 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 I, whether I live in Auburn or Lewiston, you know, I had my, you know, I coached at, at, at Lewiston, but my son, my children went to Everett High School, and that was kind of a unique dynamic, but that was always very, very supportive, it was, there was always some bantering back and forth, but it was always respectful you know I mean that, that to me that says it all you know I mean yeah we want to, inside the white lines you want to beat the crap out of you but <laughs> after the game it, it's it's just that it's just a game and I, we're very very fortunate to live up this way and to work at a place like Bates is a dream come true next time on the Bates Bobcast we'll look at how the lacrosse teams did in their NASCAR tournament games they both play on Saturday we'll also let you know how the track and field teams do in the NASCAR championships and how the rowing teams fare at the New England Championships. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates.